Oh, the classic middle school activity of making a dance with your friends unmatched. I'm thinking absolutely. Hello, hello, hello. We are back recording in the same time zone once again. So crazy. So crazy that my AirPods just died as we started the episode. (laughs) As we start the episode at a time later than which I had initially anticipated, my AirPods immediately die. Yeah. Immediately. (laughs) Where are we? Oh, yeah. This movie. (laughs) We're back for our third animated April movie. Yeah. And we're taking on a modern animated movie today. Yes, uh, this just came out. It was like last year. It was nominated for an Oscar. Today we are doing 2022's Turning Red. Ooh, ah. So this was your first viewing, correct? Yeah, I really had no idea what the movie was about. I did think it was more of like an inner life type of thing. Mm. I guess I thought it was similar to like Inside Out, which I also haven't seen to be honest, but just like... (laughs) I assumed it was all internal, but the story is really unique, like in a way that I really haven't seen um, an animated movie before. Because I feel like when we were kids, it was all like adults can't see anything, like only kids can see Mm. what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot more adult involvement, I feel like, in in animated movies now, which is is cool to see. I think it's just more reflective of people's like actual families. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's get into it. So yeah, unfortunately, we have no numbers for you because Disney declined to do a theatrical release for this film. Yeah, um, which it doesn't seem like that was previously agreed upon, like when the right. movie was being made. And Disney has done this with actually a couple of films. I know that like Black Widow was also supposed to have a theatrical release, but didn't. And then like Scarlett Johansson had like a lawsuit about it. It was a whole thing. Wow. So yeah, the director and the animators were very upset that the film didn't get, you know, the release in theaters and that they had made the movie to be seen on the big screen. And I know that a lot of like fans felt that way too. Like, I think this would have been great to see on a huge screen, especially with like all of the beautiful visual effects that there are. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to see this on a big screen. Um, The animation is just impeccable. Mm -hmm. Like it's so, it was so gorgeous to watch. The director who did this movie is Domi Shi, who wrote and directed the short film Bao, which I, it got the Oscar. Yes, it won. It was 2019, I think. I think so, yeah. That was actually the same year that Parasite one, which mm-hmm. I feel like really kind of um, ignited a lot of Asian American movies mm-hmm. being nominated for Oscars and also worked on Inside Out, Incredibles 2, and Toy Story 4. So very big movies under their belt, honestly. Mm-hmm. And only 33 now, which is crazy town yeah i'm like oh that's so cool for you and what am i unemployed so (laughs) (laughs) and what was i unemployed yeah um yeah yeah so so moving moving along along. um 
So <laughs> our lovely director, uh, Domi, she also took inspiration from four Japanese anime, uh, specifically Fruit Basket, Ranma Half? One half. I don't know. Please correct me if I'm incorrect. Uh, Sailor Moon and Inuyasha, which is very cool. Yeah, Sailor Moon is the one that I know mm. from that list yeah. I'm familiar with. Same. And you put in this interesting fact when the director was asked about the choice to have a red panda in the movie, they said red pandas are very attached to their moms. They sleep all day. They eat bamboo, but they're not supposed to eat bamboo. Bamboo doesn't give them <laughs> enough nutrients. So I kind of imagine it's just like a lazy teenager eating chips and sleeping all day. That's so funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> I also feel like people love pandas for being so cute mm -hmm. and like adorable and they're actually quite vicious and have very sharp claws and teeth yes red pandas specifically are very dangerous um mm -hmm. because i so when i was living in china we actually went to this like panda sanctuary at one point okay. um and they had one red panda and it had to it was in an area that had like a huge 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 uh not really like moat but you know one of those big like dug in right like a trench or something things. yeah like a trench essentially because if it got out that would be very dangerous to be around uh people because they can be quite vicious so yeah and then we went to see the other pandas which we got to hold one which was nice um well my brother held Aww. it because i was too small it would have crushed me but <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, another reason that the red panda was chosen is she went on to say that they're native to China. Then also it's red and white, like the colors of the Canadian mm -hmm. flag. So it was the perfect animal to tell this story about a Chinese Canadian teenage girl. Uh, this movie does take place in Toronto. I will let anyone I was know. I'm so surprised. Yeah. If you think Toronto looks like this, <laughs> I wish it looked this nice. I wish it looked this colorful, but alas. <laughs> it did look really cute. Um, is there a Chinatown in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, there is. I was just there like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a lot of fun little Easter eggs of, you know, hashtag Toronto life. We get to see the TTC and the old style streetcars before they got replaced. And I believe when you guys came to visit me, there was still one of those old streetcars still running because we took it when we were on... I think it was when we were on Queen Street. But those old South Street cars are gone. They don't have ones with stairs anymore for, you know, accessibility reasons. Gotcha. Um, the ones that we have now have a lot more space and are more accessible, which is great. I did recognize a lot of stuff from when I visited you. And then also the fact that Four Town is in this movie, like this pop band that comes to mm -hmm. the Sky Dome. And it really made me think of when we visited you and fucking Sean Mendes had a concert that night. At the Rogers Center, which and is what the Sky Dome like, is called now. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, Toronto yeah. was a buzzing <laughs> with teenage girls and it was insane. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had gone to the concert. Like, it just seems like such a... I know. It was such a fortuitous timing mm -hmm. situation. But we made so many jokes about it. It's like we went you know? <laughs> right, right. People were like, oh my God, are you in town for the Sean Mendes concert? And we we're like, we didn't know he was going to be here. He actually came to see a different Canadian icon, me. So. Christina. <laughs> oh. 
And uh, our last little fun fact, uh, talking about Four Town, these songs, the Four Town songs were written by Billie Eilish and Phineas. Uh, I think they did a great job, really harkened back to the 2000s in a in a great way, but also songs that I would listen to today. Um, I love a good boy band moment. And one of the other members of Four Town is our king, Jordan Fisher. Shout out to you, Jordan. Love you. Love you. Never gonna get <laughs> I've never met nobody like you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, before we dive in, uh, we just want to remind you that out now on Patreon is our supersized Titanic episode. So if you want to go listen to both part one and part two of that, head on over to Patreon. It's $5 a month and we have lots of uh, cool perks. Where l- Listen to me. We're really undercharging you yeah. <laughs> for the Titanic episode. Honestly, it's it's a steal. You're practically making <laughs> money fuck. on that one. <laughs> We put, we we put everything buying, into that episode. Um, forced labor <laughs> with that one. Yeah, get your get your bang for your buck this month, and uh, yeah, with the four hour app, <laughs> head on over. But <laughs> making less than one dollar an hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty bleak when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's all for the patrons. We love you guys so. Yes. With that being said, shall we dive into it? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. Well, it's a Disney Pixar movie, so we start with the Pixar lamp. And let me tell you, I just have to say, this lamp has evolved Mm. like a freaking ape into a homo (laughs) sapien since I was a kid to the way it looks now. Mm-hmm. You know, just as the animation style has developed. Yeah. So we see a family picture, Jen and Ming and Maylin, and it says, Happy New Year, 1994. And Maylin tells us that the number one rule in her family is honor your parents. She tells us that our parents gave us life and they've sacrificed so much. The least we can do is every single thing they ask. But some people are like, oh, be careful, because if you take it too far, you might forget to honor yourself. Luckily, I don't have that problem. <laughs> hey, I'm Maylin, and I've been doing my own thing since I turned 13. I wear what I want, I say what I want, and I won't hesitate to do a spontaneous cartwheel. And she does a cartwheel just like spilling out her entire book bag on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, I love her so much. She is... <laughs> She's such an icon, dude. Yeah. She's so funny. She's so charming. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but I just... Uh, they do such a good mm-hmm. job of endearing you to her immediately. Definitely. And Maylin tells us that being 13 means she is officially grown up, at least according to the Toronto Transit Commission. Shout out TTC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't see a presto pass. I guess that hasn't existed yet. Pre-presto days. <laughs> so on the subway, Maylin does her math homework and there's like a businessman next to her, like I think on his laptop mm-hmm. or something. And she's like, uh, that hustle, yeah. am I right? <laughs> City kids. <laughs> the audacity (laughs) so uh malin gets to school she starts walking down the hall and meets up with her besties so we get to see like little snapshots of each of them 
Up first is Miriam, who is like a tomboy. She got braces. She's eating some chips. We then have Priya. She's got a nose ring and glasses. And uh, the book that she's reading is called Nightfall. And it is supposed to be like a Twilight-esque book. (laughs) Um, They are invoking Twilight. And then we also see Abby. And she's seen speaking Korean. She's also wearing like these cute little overalls. So they all meet up. They put their hands together. And May is like, are you guys ready to change the world? And they're like, yeah. So just a fun, spunky group. They're so empowered. (laughs) They're so cute. I want my future spawn to have friends like Mm -hmm. this. Just like a group of pals who are clearly like, not doing anything bad (laughs) they're so clearly like just like having a ball Mm -hmm. just singing and dancing and being nerdy oh yeah i'm like i love it yeah they're they're a well-behaved crew with a lot of like joy and enthusiasm for life yeah yeah lust for life so after they all meet up they go to class and we kind of get this montage of Maylin just like answering questions in rapid succession. She receives A's on every one of her papers, like 100%. Mm-hmm. She tells us, you know, it's a lot, but it's eighth grade. There's no time to mess around. Cut to a teacher calling Maylin a very enterprising, mildly annoying young lady. We're just having like this weird, like mockumentary style interview succession where it's like, the teacher and then a goth kid calling her a major weirdo and a jock calling her an overachieving dork. And Malin comes up behind him and says she accepts all labels before taking his basketball and like <laughs> attempting to do an amazing free throw, but just like flings it over the fence into the street, car runs over it, mm-hmm. psh, ball pops. Yeah. That did remind me, so when I was living in Shanghai, our playground was on, like, the roof of the school. It was pretty high up. Okay, yeah. And they did have, you know, obviously, like, (laughs) fences and stuff around, but somebody did, like, throw a tennis ball over and, like, into the street, and they got in so much trouble, because obviously that is hazardous (laughs) when there are cars driving below and a tennis ball comes barreling down. Um, Just, you know. City kid things. Crazy. <laughs> when you said that, it actually reminded me of the very true story of you and Griffin attempting oh. to... <laughs> I don't even know if we can legally say this on the podcast. Nobody was injured, but... but no one was injured. When I was moving out of my Manhattan apartment, we were trying to remove the window AC unit from the kitchen. It did slip out of my dear former roommate's hands and (laughs) did fall out the window. Luckily, not onto the street. I can only imagine it was this size. One of the scariest things I've ever experienced because it hit the ground. Because that's like manslaughter. Well, to just so everybody knows, it wasn't into the street. It was just into where like the garbage was kept in like a little back. uh, It wasn't even like an a publicly accessed alley or anything like the only people that could go back there is like the super um so that that's what (laughs) happened um i will never touch a window ac unit ever again for the rest of my life so i hear you i hear you anyways (laughs) this movie (laughs) so 
after school, the girls are like walking down the street. May is kind of going on a rant about how she doesn't care about what anyone thinks. Like nothing's going to stop this train when all of a sudden Miriam pulls her back because they're passing by the Daisy Mart, a little drugstore, and they admire the cashier. Devin. He's like a cool 17-year-old with a bucket hat. And Abby is talking about how her mom cuts his hair at the salon and she's touched it and it's so soft. And Priya and Miriam asked for some of his hair, but May is like, what's wrong with you guys? He looks like a hobo. Let's not forget who the real men are, okay? And she pulls out her fucking Tiger Beat (laughs) magazine and on it is the boy band Four Town. So she then goes through like all the members of Four Town. I think she says that Jesse went to art school and we see him like making pottery. And then Tae Young rescues like do- like doves or something. And Robert speaks French. And then there's the two Aaron's. They're also there and they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but this is our first kind of like dream sequency moment mm-hmm. where like we see the full like fantasy come to life she reminds them you know that they're four townies ride or die that's who they should be paying attention to but priya's like okay but tickets for their concert are like a bajillion dollars and devin's right here for free so (laughs) i don't know what you want us to do and priya's voiced by (laughs) oh what's her name she's davy from never have i ever maitrey ramakrishnan yes davy from never have i ever fantastic actress yes also canadian oh yeah yeah yeah. she's from she's from ontario as well yeah so the streetcar arrives and may is like oh gotta bounce but before she leaves the girls say that they're going to karaoke she should come with but may says she can't it's cleaning day and Miriam says every day is cleaning day can't you just take one afternoon off but May says, no, she likes cleaning. She just got this new feather duster. She's very excited about it. And I'm like, I love cleaning. So same girl, same. I feel you. <laughs> but Miriam says she can only go if she participates in the little dance off. And we see the girls dance to the four town song. Nobody like you. Great song. Miriam is like beatboxing. They do the choreo. And so in the end, Miriam gives May her reward, which is a burnt CD with Four Towns 1999 Australian tour with the Girl I Love Your Jeans remix on it. Whoa. May is, you know, it's a big ticket item. Yeah. And May is super excited. She thanks her and says she'll guard it with her life. She then rushes over to the streetcar and says that they'll karaoke another time and it'll be on her. The snacks, the tunes, she's got it. So they wave goodbye and as the streetcar leaves, Priya is like... She is so brainwashed. Yikes. Yeah. So May rushes home and she's like telling us, you know, I'm my own person, but that doesn't mean just doing what I want. It's like, want, I have responsibilities. So she gets to the temple that her family owns and she begins her shift. And her mom is like, May, you're 10 minutes late. What happened? Are you hurt? Are you hungry? And just pulls dumplings out of thin air mm-hmm. and shoves one into May's mouth. And May shows her mom all the tests she's aced in school today. And Ming is like, oh, our ancestors would be so proud. And then the two of them sit together and pray to their ancestor, Sunyi, 
guardian of the red panda and thank her for protecting and guiding them. And May says they will continue to serve and honor her and this community always. So after they have this like moment at the altar, May and Ming get to work sweeping and cleaning the temple. Um, they give tours to visitors. They tell them about the history of Sun Yi. I don't know if we mentioned this, but Ming is played by the incredible Sandra Oh. Mm-hmm. I think they also mentioned that they're a really unique temple because um, the temple isn't for different like gods. It's for their ancestors. Yeah. I know that they did a lot of research um, into different temples kind of all across North America. And then they modeled this one actually after mm-hmm. a specific one as well. Yeah. So after closing the temple, they head inside to where their dad is making an absolutely delectable looking meal. Again, we have some food animation excellence here. The montage is oh yeah, chef's kiss. Meanwhile, May and Ming are sitting on the couch. They're watching a Chinese soap opera and folding dumplings. And that's when a commercial comes on saying that Four Town is kicking off their North American tour and tickets are on sale now. <gasps> so she gets super excited and Ming is like, oh, who are these hip hoppers? Who would like them anyways? And May's like, yeah, that's so crazy. Like, I, I don't know. I think just like some kids from school yeah, maybe like them. I don't know. And Ming says, what, like, Miriam? That girl is odd. And May just stops smiling and decides not to reveal her love for Fortown. Aw. So in her room that evening, May is listening to her Fortown CD with headphones on while she does her math homework. And in the corner of her page, she begins doodling a little drawing of a boy. And then before she knows it, She's like, oh, my God, wait, is that Devin? Oh, my God. Well, I don't know what Miriam sees in him. Like, he's not that cute. And then as she keeps sketching, she's like, okay, his shoulders are kind of nice, I guess. And before she knows it, she sees the drawing, like, winking at her. (laughs) And she sneaks over to hide under her bed where she just, like, starts drawing picture after picture of Devin like embracing her and like him as a mermaid Mm -hmm. and him like holding her like she's just letting her imagination run wild then Ming knocks on the door May like jumps up she fucking slams her head on (laughs) the underside of her bed and she sits on top of her bed to act like nothing was going on but her notebook that she's been doodling in is sticking out from under her bed So Ming comes in, like offers her a snack and May tries her hardest not to glance at the notebook, but she does. And Ming immediately recognizes this. Mm. She's like, oh, what the hell is this? Are you doing your homework in here? And just bam, 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 looks at every single page and is appalled, (laughs) literally disgusted. Mm. And... (laughs) It's honestly like I had, I, it was so hard for me to watch this. I was like, oh, yeah, it's mortifying. <laughs> mortifying. Cause we all did so, like, whether it was like doodles or just being like, I love David. He's so great. Like, can't mm. wait to see him in school tomorrow. Or, you know, reading our, our self insert One Direction fan fiction, whatever it may be. <laughs> yes. Whatever that <laughs> desire might 
take the form of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ming is like, who is this boy? Did he do these things to you? Which like, obviously he did right. not. But she she is so like, cannot see her kid as having any kind of like desire mm-hmm. or crush or anything on anyone. And so it's always like, who's this person that did this to you? Yeah. And May is like, no, that's not it. Like tries to get the notebook back from her. And then Ming is like, is this the clerk from the Daisy Mart? Dun, dun, dun. So Ming drives the two of them down there, marches in, confronts Devin. The, the store is also like very busy for some reason. Packed with kids that May yeah. knows. One of which that she goes to school being with. Tyler, the popular guy who was fucking making fun of her earlier. So Ming threatens to report Devin to the police for taking advantage of May and then pulls out May's drawings and slams one on the counter. And it's probably the worst one she could have possibly picked because it's a drawing of Devin as a shirtless merman. So... That's pretty embarrassing. It's pretty... It's it's a rough time. Devastating, some might say. Yeah. So everyone sees these drawings and laughs at May, especially Tyler. And Ming tells Devin that they just lost a loyal customer today before dragging May out of the store. So they sit in the car and Ming tells May that that degenerate won't come near her ever again. And she asks if there's anything else she should know about. And May just kind of like clutches her fists together and grits her teeth and smiles and is like, nope, all good. I'm like, you have the patience of a saint because I think I would have lost my damn mind if my mom had done that to me. (laughs) I would have lost my fucking shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would have been a screaming match for me. Oh, yeah, that would have been a big old fight. A big old fight. (laughs) 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 Holy shit. So, cut to May. I I love this scene because it's so, like, it's just so relatable. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, I was a little bit older, Mm -hmm. though, when I, like, started feeling some type of way. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I mean, maybe I was around this age, but like not, not particularly. It's more so in high school when I was feeling angsty. Um, so cut to me just screaming into her pillow and then she calls herself a sicko for drawing the doodles (laughs) and contemplates like changing her identity. She looks at the picture of her mom on her nightstand and she's like, (gasps) I am my mother's pride and joy. And she's like looking in the mirror and she's like, actually it. And May throws all her drawings and her notebook in the trash. And she tells herself this will never happen again and goes to sleep. Meanwhile, in the temple, the wind blows out all the candles on Sunni's altar. And the storm like rages on May has a nightmare about the red panda statues in the temple exploding. Devin, as a mermaid, flopping on dry land. The four town boys' faces on blooming flowers and panda ghosts flying out of the Sunni painting. So, a lot's happening. Yeah. 
shit is a brewing. So mm-hmm. when she wakes up in the morning, she, you know, stumbles her way to the bathroom to get ready for the day, looks in the mirror, and she's a giant red panda, naturally. <gasps> so she sees her reflection. She screams, obviously. <laughs> And starts freaking out and crying, and she thinks it's a dream, but it's not. And her mom comes and knocks on the door and is like, hey, you good? What's up? Are you sick? What's going on? Like, is it all this, this, and this? But then suddenly it dawns on Ming. (gasps) Maybe May got her first period. So she asks, did the red peony bloom? And May is like, maybe? (laughs) So... Ming then runs to her room to get some supplies. When she comes into the bathroom, May is hiding behind the shower curtain in the bathtub. And as Ming kind of like pulls out every single thing you could ever need, like pads and a hot water bottle and my doll and everything, May actually ends up yelling at her mother, which shocks both of them because this is very like unusual behavior for her. Mm-hmm. And May starts crying, and she's like, I'm a red, gross monster. And Ming is like, no, I know it's upsetting, but we're going to get through this together. You're a woman now, but it's nothing to be afraid of. And she tries to open the shower curtain to, you know, talk to her daughter, when thankfully, at the exact right moment, the fire alarm goes off in the kitchen, and Ming realizes that her porridge is on fire. So she runs out. May rushes back to her room to lay under the covers to like, you know, just go back to sleep and takes a few deep breaths. And as she breathes and calms down, slowly, piece by piece, appendage by appendage, she starts turning back into a regular human girl. So mm-hmm. once she is back to her human form, she goes, yes, and then she's back to panda form because, you know, she got a little excited. So she realizes that she just needs to stay calm and zen, and that way she'll stay human. And we also see that in her human form, her hair is bright red. Looks very cool. And she tells herself she just needs to be the calm, (laughs) mature adult that she is. (laughs) (sighs) And I will say, like, I remember when this movie came out... It was like talk. There was a lot of uh, a lot of discourse, as there always is whenever any fucking movie comes out. But about the fact that they actually show like period products in this movie and how that kind of thing is never talked about really in Disney or Pixar movies, and how cool yeah. it is that you know that's actually represented. And then there was a lot of other people who were like, "This is inappropriate and disgusting," and those people are stupid. But hmm. have they been to a CVS? Apparently not. Um, <laughs> apparently, you're never supposed to talk about a period ever um, because it's Weird. gross. So fascinating. Yeah. So Ming drives me to school and tells her she knows it feels strange, but nobody will notice a thing while May has her hair up in like a beanie to hide the obviously red strands. And May. I love this emoji that you've inserted. <laughs> May calmly says, robot emoji. <laughs> Thank you for your concern, mother, but I'll be fine. Robot emoji. <laughs> Before getting out of the car, 
And she literally does. She's like, yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye. Just mother. as the mode. <laughs> so May takes a deep breath before going into school and just flatly says, what's up, girlfriends? And her friends are like, what's up with the hat? Like, also, the whole school is gossiping about what happened at the Daisy Mart. And May is about to lose it, but she just, like, takes a break. She tells them that Tyler is a jerkwad and an uncomfortable experience occurred. (laughs) End of story. (laughs) But then May sees a boy walk past. He's, like, looking kind of goth. I think he might have eyeliner on. Mm, But he has, like, the Bieber haircut. Right. And her heart starts racing. She has these big, like, glistening eyes. And then she notices that Tyler has plastered photocopies of May's drawings all over the lockers. And her heart starts racing again. A panda tail comes out, so she races to class to sit on a chair before her tail disappears. And Miriam sits next to her. She's like, what's going on? You're being, like, very weird. And May is like, no, no, I'm just, I'm really excited. (laughs) I am really excited about math class. I mean, it's not super out of character because in the very beginning of the movie, she shows, like, yeah, I I do what I want. And we see she has a sticker that says, this girl loves math. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do what I want. I say what I want. I wear what I want. I have a Tamagotchi and I fucking love math. Get used to it. I have a Tamagotchi and I actually (laughs) feed it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone can feed a Tamagotchi every day. I'm like, I know mine died. Just a single mom who works two jobs, who loves her kids and never stops. Okay. (laughs) The heart of a fighter. She's a survivor. (laughs) Anyways. um, (laughs) So in class, Miriam... And we see from the beginning that Miriam is the tightest one mm-hmm. with May. Not to like, I just know that I don't think our audience really would say this, but I know that people would say this is like, why are you talking about this for 13 year old girls? But they are like very queer coded sure. in the fact that they have a close friendship, but it also sometimes seems lightly romantic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, we'll see later on. There are some examples. But it's definitely they have the closest bond. Like, she sends her this note and she's like, hey, is everything okay? Like, heart, heart. Yeah. Really checking in with her because she can tell that there is something wrong. And she's like, you know, I'm here for you. I want to know what's going on. I want to be there for you. And she's like, no, like, I'm all good. Smiley face. Mm -hmm. Then... Miriam writes back and she's like, hey, your mom is outside. (laughs) And May notices her mom just creeping behind a tree just with her sunglasses on Mm -hmm. when a security guard comes over and tries to escort her away. He's like, oh, hey, like, why don't you step into my office? And she's like, no, no, I pay my tax dollars, (laughs) like da, 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 da. So as she gets into this fight, the entire class gets up to watch Ming yell and May is like, oh my God, because now she's like yelling to May, 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 you forgot your pads, your pads, May. And if it were me, I would go like this and I would go, I would rock it up into the sky never to be seen again. Yeah, I would be like that kid in Sky High and just melt into a puddle 
immediately. Yeah, pretty much. So May pandas out in front of the whole class, but everyone's watching her mom have an episode. Mm -hmm. So no one notices her episode and she sneaks out into the bathroom. Yeah, I did read that this was actually inspired by a real experience that the director had when her mom like was watching her, I think, on her first day of middle school. Hell. Yeah, horrifying. I mean, like, so my parents taught at the school. Yeah, they taught at the school that I worked at. So I saw my parents around school all the time. But I was very thankful that my parents kept, like, a healthy distance right, right. between us. Especially because, like, my mom taught kindergarten and I wasn't in kindergarten when, you know, we were at the same school. And my dad worked – he was, like, a vice principal in high school – but like, we, like, didn't really talk in school at all unless I, like, went to his office if I needed something. But there was, like, a healthy distance. But if, if my parents were too hands-on and, like, at school and at home all the time, that would have been challenging. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I guess I would have been – hmm. <laughs> I don't even know how much I want to say on the pod, but, like, I definitely had crushes and stuff, mm-hmm. like – I wouldn't have wanted my parents oh, no. to spot me, like, flirting in the hallway. No, no. That would be so uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I think that's also probably part of the reason that I, like, didn't really pursue any sort of romantic thing in school at all. Because yeah. I was like, I'm like, fucking parents are around all the time. Yeah, so, that's hard. That's tough. Yeah, Not that there was really anyone in particular that was uh, – mm-hmm super good looking or exciting or not a stupid high school boy so <laughs> slim yeah. pickings anyways no for sure i mean it's not like i i've never looked back and been like uh you know high school the one that got yeah. away <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah no I, I don't feel forlorn or or wistful about any missed opportunities <laughs> right right <laughs> So May runs into the bathroom and a girl comes out of the stall and sees this giant red panda and just goes, OMG. And May just like pushes her back into the stall. So <laughs> Ming then tries to get into the bathroom. May has like blocked the door with a garbage can. So May jumps out the window and starts running off. So Ming then pursues her by car and May is just running through downtown toronto uh where she causes a three-car pile up at one point a three-car pile up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which they casually throw into this animated movie yeah she also like breaks a fucking fire escape falls off the building onto the road she also breaks a sign for like a diner that crashes right next to this three-car pile up mm-hmm. uh, luckily it seems like nobody is severely injured or dies so Thank God for that. Um, Ming manages to spot May jumping from building to building. So she takes off her little shoes and starts running after her. May finally makes it back to the temple and runs in crying as May catches up to her in her bedroom. And May, she has these two hairbrushes that she's trying to like brush her face with to like calm her down as like a sensory thing. And she's hiding under a blanket and sobbing and tells her mom to, like, stay back. I'm a monster. And her dad just comes in. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this happened already? 
Uh, uh what? Excuse Already? me, Jin. Jin? Jin and Ming, <laughs> do you have something to say for yourselves? Yeah. So May stops in her tracks mid-sob, and Jin tells Ming that it's time. So Ming and Jin and May go to the temple where Ming opens up this like secret little compartment and takes out a box. And she tells May that their ancestor, Suni, had a mystical connection to red pandas, as she knows. Um, but so much so that she asked to be turned into one because, and we go like back in time, when her ancestor, Suni, was raising her children, the men went away at war. So she like prayed during a red moon to receive the ability to harness her emotions and transform into a mystical beast to protect her spawn. And Ming says that it was passed down from generation to generation so that they could also protect their children. But then they came to a new world and what was a blessing became a curse and May becomes enraged and just like is p- going panda mode mm-hmm. and tries to tear Suni's tapestry. But Ming and Jin hold her back and Ming tells her to listen. Like there is a cure. And May is like, how do you know? But Ming tells her like, you know, it happened to me. And May asks why Ming didn't tell her anything And Ming is like, well, you know, I thought that if I just watched you like a hawk, like I'd see the signs, I could help you prepare. And I'm like, you sure did watch her like a hawk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That she did. And she assures her that she'll be fine. And on the next Red Moon, they will be able to seal her panda spirit in a necklace like she did. But until then, any strong emotion will release the panda and the more difficult the ritual will be. She tells her that there is a darkness to the panda, and she only has one chance to vanquish it. Jeez. Yeah. It's weird that um, I did think it was very interesting how they had the red panda. Not It wasn't just an illusion for getting your period. It was like mm-hmm. coming of age and dealing with, I guess, um, the all-encompassing thing would be puberty. Yeah. But- also just having like extreme emotions. I think that there's for me also what I latched on to was like going from a more immature young adult mm-hmm. or a kid, I guess like a, a immature kid and kind of just like having outbursts or yeah. saying things or acting a certain way, but then becoming like this young adult who's like, I'm responsible. I'm poised. I can't just like, you know, have my legs uncrossed and I'm wearing a skirt. Like now I'm like an adult. I'm like viewed as a woman and I have to act like a woman. And that's kind of like the juxtaposition that we Mm. see throughout the movie. Yeah. And also upon the backdrop of generational trauma, which I think is set up really clearly in this whole story about how, you know, it is passed down to each woman in the family. And um, we get to see a lot more of that once Ming's mother comes into the picture too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I believe, I don't know if we mentioned it, but they also do look at a calendar to see when the next red moon is. And it's about a month away. So it's going to be a little bit of time that she's stuck with the panda. So what they end up doing is taking everything out of May's room 
and just putting in a mattress, some bedding, and her uh, her stuffed toy dog. I think his name is like Wilfred or something. And they say that this is only temporary. That way they don't have to worry about any more accidents. And as Jin is leaving the room, he tells May that red is a lucky color. So once he closes the door, May can hear her parents talking about her. And Ming is like, what are we going to do? No one can see her like this. Like, did you see her? What she looked like? And this makes May sob. And then she turns into it's panda. It's so sad. It's so sad. This did kind of remind me, too, of the episode of Pen15 where Maya gets her period. Yeah. Yeah. Her mom, like, talking to her and her desire not to be become an adult and to just be her mom's little girl and like uh it's it's truly so I mean I don't think that in order to be a woman you have to have a period yeah but I also think that like like any big event in your life like getting your period can be something incredibly traumatic or incredibly empowering or like there's just a lot of emotion attached to it because it is such a private thing. Like it feels so mm-hmm. overwhelming. Well, yeah. And like, like we kind of talked about earlier, there is a lot of like shame that is attached to it. Right. And right. It, it does feel like this thing that you have to hide. Like I remember I would never, like if I had to change a pad or a tampon during the school day like i'm secretly pulling it out of my bag and like tucking it into the hem of my school uniform as i'm like quietly going to the bathroom there was the constant fear of getting my period because i i didn't get my period until i was a little bit older um just like i didn't go through puberty until i was a little bit older and i had this constant fear that i was going to get my period for the first time in school and my uniform was like a light gray skirt. So if I got my period, like there's no hiding it. Everyone would see. And that was like such a constant fear. Fucking traumatizing, Mm -hmm. dude. I fully got my period in school. Yeah. (laughs) Because I had gotten it earlier, but it was always like really light. Like it Mm. was honestly super, super light. And so I had a tiny itsy bitsy like panty liner on Mm -hmm. and I sat down in class and this was a middle school. Like I was, I I guess I was pretty young, honestly. I think it was sixth or seventh grade or something, maybe eighth grade, maybe seventh or eighth grade, but I was pretty young. And um, I remember sitting down to take a standardized test. And during the test, I felt like there was like a measuring cup in mm. my vagina yeah. and it was just <sighs> yeah which was crazy because I was like I've already gotten my period like it's not this heavy but it was just like I don't know what it was I don't know how it works honestly scientifically like but that day it was just like and I got up and I was like oh my god my chair is like covered in blood mm. my pants were totally covered in blood and stuff and I like told my girlfriends and they were really like honestly like super supportive. They're just like, tell the teacher, like, you need to go to the bathroom. I called my mom and she came, brought me clothes. And like I was pretty discreet about it. Mm. So like I 
honestly didn't feel as traumatized as it could have been. Yeah. But it was definitely just horrific that I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like I have to stay on top of this. Yeah. Uh, like you just have to, like you can't just f- hang out and free bleed. Like, no, <laughs> it's so much responsibility. And mm-hmm. I would be lying if I didn't say that uh, there were so many times in high school where I either like, I've not really like bled through my whole shit. Like, yeah, but I definitely like, there were times where I was like, oh my gosh, I need to like mm-hmm. do this or I waited too long and now I'm like, yeah, it's, it's such a fucking mess. And you have to also at school time out when you're going to use the bathroom mm-hmm. because you can't just go whenever you want. Yep. And it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah, for sure. I remember one time um, I was in an exam. I was in a history exam. And the thing with like the curriculum, like the the curriculum that I was in, the history exams, you have to like write an essay that's like a certain length and you only get 45 minutes to do it. And it's like very stressful and you like literally can't stop writing the whole time. You just have to like go, 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 go. Cause there's not really much time to like stop and be like, Hmm, what point do I want to make next? Like you may, you take five minutes to make an essay plan at the start of the test and then you just keep writing. And I could feel myself getting my period during this test. It wasn't like my first period or anything, but it, you know, and I can feel it happening and I'm like, I can't stop writing because I cannot take 10 minutes to go to the bathroom because you have to go to the bathroom. You have to like put your hand up and like be walked to the front and like make sure you empty your pockets and show them that you don't have anything. And because like people oh my would God. like, you know, go to their phones or whatever. It was like very strict. I was like, I, I just need to keep shifting in my seat to make sure I'm not getting anything on my clothes for the rest of this test and then pray to God when I stand up, there's not a giant blood stain or blood coming down my legs and run out of there as soon as I possibly can. Um, did you make it out alive? I did make it out alive. No stain on my, on my outer clothing. Thank God. But yeah, so I'm like trying to pay attention to this test and all I can think about is the fact that I'm bleeding. Horrific. Yeah. So <laughs> glad that's over. Um, <laughs> Long story short, periods are traumatizing. And if you also have one, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. My mom told me after I got my period, I'll never forget this. She goes, you can't have sex now or else you'll get pregnant. And that was our convo. <laughs> that was our convo. Straight to the point with that one. Oh my gosh. It's like, okay, Mary, I'm like 13. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I was just going to say it is funny because I guess, like, you know, looking back, like I was pretty young when I got mm-hmm. my period. But I also, around that time, like my boobs came in. Mm-hmm. So I think I had bigger boobs for being young, yeah. like, like development. Right. But my boobs like never grew. Like mm-hmm. like they were big, I guess, at the time, but like I'm not like you and I are on different <laughs> wavelengths. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I had nothing until I was fifteen. I also didn't get my period until I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. The puberty on my mom's side of the family is just super, super delayed. My great grandmother was twenty and married. Before she got her period for the first time. Isn't that nuts? Wow. 
Yeah. 20 and married. Mm-hmm. She's like, we can't even have kids yet, d- yeah. June. That's it's so insane. Wild. Yeah. With, with, with each generation, it seems to get younger and younger. It's probably like detrimental hormones in our food or something. Right. But, the milk. Well, I, I have seen like studies that kids are getting their period younger and younger and younger. And it's likely because of the hormones in our food, which is pretty crazy. But Oh, yeah. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. In any case... What are we talking about? Where are we? <laughs> I was like, we're running right through it. Like we <laughs> let's go. Yeah. In the morning, we see a closed sign on the temple door. It says like family emergency. Ming is vacuuming up all of May's red panda hair. And upstairs, May tries to make herself into a human again by like bouncing herself around the room and like pulling on her panda ears and just trying to become herself again and she almost succeeds when she just full-on turns into a panda again and cries and then as she's sobbing on the floor she hears a knock on the window and it's her friends and they're like may are you okay i think priya is like we thought you died of embarrassment (laughs) and abby tells her abby's like four town is coming to town and May just gets like so excited. She opens the curtains and the girls can see that she's Red Panda. Mm-hmm. And they immediately scream. But May pulls them into the room and she's like, calm down. Like, it's just me. And Miriam asks what happened. And May tells them it's an inconvenient genetic thing. Like, I got it from my mom. But, you know, I'll probably be able to get rid of it. And May, like, starts crying again. But the girls comfort her. And she's like, I'm just sloppy and smelly. Like, my mom won't even look at me. And then May asks when Fortown is going to be here. And Abby's like, May 18th. But May cries because there's no way her situation will be gone by then. So she tells them to go be woman without her. And then Miriam tries to reassure her, but May is like, just like, leave me alone, blah, blah, blah. So Miriam, being the BFF she is, begins singing a four-town song. Abby and Priya join in, and eventually May joins in. She can't resist. She's a four-townie. And they sing together, which makes her calm down, and she turns back into herself I think she looks a bit older. Like she has mm. the red hair and the like, I guess, hazel eyes. Yeah. Um, but she does look like slightly older than mm. she does beforehand. Yeah. And she asks Abby to punch her and Abby like punches her and May realizes that she was able to stay calm and that her friends neutralize the panda Mm. yeah so she's like oh my gosh like this is a breakthrough and she says she can have her room back her life back and miriam says she can see four town they're all going to ask their parents tonight and if she shows her mom she can control her emotions then her mom will have to let her go Mm. i'm like bold miriam yeah of course, it's the one white girl that's like, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was looking it up because I was like, well, I Googled. I was like, is there a thing between May and Miriam? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also did bring up that Miriam is a Jewish Canadian mm. girl, mm. which I 
like, I don't know if there's any indication of it anywhere. Like, I don't know if she yeah. has any, like, like a Hamza necklace or anything like that. But uh, that's what it said online, at least. Oh, there you go. So Ming and Jin put May to the test and see if she can control her emotions. So they show her a picture of deforestation, uh, a picture of mm-hmm. a sad orangutan, uh, and also a picture of her getting second place in the spelling bee. And she begins to, you know, feel the emotions welling up. But then she goes to her mind palace and <laughs> she thinks about her friends and they're, you know, comforting her about not winning the spelling bee. And she's able to just whoo, calm down and go, what a shame. So then they pull out the big guns, the final test. Jin brings out a little tiny box full of little tiny kittens. Oh. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get that, Jin? Nasty. (laughs) Nasty. Um, Apparently, one of the cats is modeled after the director's cat in real life. Oh. That was cute. But May starts to feel the emotions well up and she's like, oh my God, they're so cute. But then. Back in her mind palace, she imagines it's her friends hugging her and not these kittens. And she's able to remain totally zen and calm as the kittens climb all over her. So mm-hmm. Jin is thrilled. Ming asks how she does that. And May is like, oh, it's easy. I just think about the people I love most in the world. And her mom is incredibly touched thinking she's talking about her and mm-hmm. May's like, yeah, that's you guys. Totally. She tells Ming now that that's settled, she just has one teeny tiny favor to ask. So, <laughs> smash cut. <laughs> boom. We go to May in the foreground. In the background, a huge, uh, what's it called projector and she has like a gigantic slideshow and a bunch of like four town memorabilia and uh her one of her mom's blazers on and sparklers (laughs) yeah and sparklers and she is giving this proposal of her life to ask her parents to go to this four town concert and may is like like you saw me i could control if you know the panda thing you can trust me but like ming is ardently against her going yeah. and even jen suggests that they should trust may but ming is like it's four town i don't trust they are glittery delinquents like why would you want to go to that and in her mind may <laughs> just daydreams about like mainlining soda and (laughs) hanging out with her friends and singing and getting to like go on stage and having one of them um it looks like he has like a ring box but he opens it and it's a four yeah robert proposes to her yeah (laughs) with a four ring awful oh my gosh it made me think about how like it was such a trend when, you know, girls in middle school would go to, like, a Jonas Brothers concert or a One Direction concert. It's like, I have to do a full body shave in case I get invited backstage by, like, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> 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 
by Priyanka Chopra. Yeah, or it's like, oh yeah, this is the outfit that I wore thinking that Joe Jonas would see me in the audience and pull me backstage. And it's like two layer tank tops and cargo shorts. It's like limited to had a big old sale of of green and blue plaid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so devastating. I already I can remember what I wore to the 2008 Burden Up tour. And mm. it was, you know, Ked type sneakers. Right. Some cargo shorts, like the Bermuda short type. Yeah. But it wasn't plot. It was just like cargo material. Right. Um, and a Hollister short sleeve top. <sighs> Incredible. Wow. <laughs> that's a look. That's a real look. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's what a real woman wears, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I'm sure Nick Jonas would have thought I was a cute gal. Yeah, you know. I mean, even when I was at my big age of 18 years old, and I went to the 1975 concert by myself, as I was getting dressed, I was like, "What if, you know? What if Maddie Healy? It's it's a GA concert. What if? <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, though, if you have been in New York in the past, like. If you've been in New York the past mm. six months, like, Maddie Healy was just fucking around. Oh, yeah. He's been out right. about. Getting canceled, doing his thing. Yeah. And but instead, you know, he was flirt- who he was flirting with at the concert? Miss Taylor Allison Swift. So I stood no chance. Allison? <laughs> Allison? <laughs> yes. yes. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, that was, you know, if any, any Swifties out there, that was the infamous 1975 concert that her and Carly Kloss were at. It's like a whole huge... Oh, is that thing. like the Gaylor lore? Yes. Yeah. I was there. I, I saw wow. I saw them in the VIP thing. I was right next to it. Um, were they kissing? Were they canoodling? Th- I didn't see them kiss, but they were like very hee-hee and like hugging and dancing and like whispering a lot. And I know that like Taylor was also like having a lot of flirty moments with Maddie while he was on stage. And the one that is right. burned into my brain because it broke my heart when I saw it in real life is that he was singing one of my favorite songs of theirs, Falling For You, and one of my favorite lyrics, which is, I don't want to be your friend. I want to kiss your neck. And he looked directly at her, and her and Carly were like, hee-hee, and I was like, damn, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. But I was I'm by myself. I'm going to fucking lose it. I'm going to fucking lose it. And I'm standing yeah. there in my in my black jeans. You're about and my, to go panda my leather mode jacket on him. and my. Do you remember that top I used to wear all the time? It was like a black, like kind of like deep cut peplum ish top. Yeah, it was 2014. I was wearing that yeah. top. And I was oh, like, wow, yeah. what if oh, he pulls yeah. me backstage? Because tits were on the menu that night. <laughs> <laughs> you were serving um, tits for yes. sure. Yeah. <laughs> pepperoni anyone oh my gosh (laughs) i need to shut up i will say by 2014 standards we were fucking hot yeah that was very on trend we were walking around in black jeans our Mm -hmm. black booties yeah i was wearing black booties too yep of course (laughs) who wasn't yeah our fucking um leather jackets leather yeah leather jackets it was a little bit before the choker thing that was more 2016 right i was always wearing a little frosted eyeshadow in the corner Mm. of my eye yeah i frequently wore a crop top and jeans when yeah. I was going out. 
And you know what? A tiny little um, black pair of like dress shorts with tights sometimes. Yeah. That was it. To wear tights with your little dress shorts and go out and dance. (laughs) That was that was so wrong about that. Everyone wore a red lip at all times, Mm -hmm. even when it was the wrong shade for our skin tone. Yeah, even though it was far too orange for my undertone. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? We did an occasional fish braid, fishtail braid. I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure for one of my college auditions, I had a waterfall braid, which is like the one that went like across yeah. your head. <laughs> yep. I had one of those. <laughs> I made my mom do it for me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, youth. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I literally thought I was so cool for coming to NYU with like a nose ring. Meanwhile, like oh my gosh, I forgot about your nose the ring. Fuck up, oh like gosh. eyebrow, lip, nose. Mm-hmm. Um, I was nothing. I was nothing to them. Yeah. People always but think yeah, that I the, didn't have a nose ring. I people think that the ring. mole on my nose is a nose ring. Often, yeah. And I'm like, it's just it's part of my skin. Yeah, that's just me, but sure, give me the clout. Why would I have a weird, like, brown nose ring? I don't know. But well, me, Hey, what's your what's your most uh, skin-colored nose ring? <laughs> yeah, what that do you one, have? please. <laughs> <sighs> what are we talking about? This movie. <laughs> so. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. So the proposal mm-hmm. occurs, and she has just this amazing daydream and she comes back to reality and she's like um i just want to broaden my musical horizons but ming is like no and that's final so may takes a deep breath in oh also ming blames miriam for some reason like it's yeah. like oh is this miriam's idea mm-hmm. so may takes a deep breath in and tells them okay like thank you for listening and after May walks off, she slams the door to her room and May and Ming hears this and she's like, I can't believe her. Am I the only one who sees the danger in this? And Chin is just trying to like give her some space. Also the phone rings, so he picks that up and Ming is just like, she gave me this look like you should have seen the look she gave me. And it's so disrespectful to me. Like, I'm her mother. And then <laughs> Jin tells her, hey, uh, your mom is calling. And Ming hides. And she's like, Sam, not here. <laughs> so, mm-mm-mm. And Ming does eventually take the call shakily. She reaches for the phone. And her mom tells her she knows about May. And she's like, oh, I was just about to call you. I'm handling it. But her mom is like, oh, how you handled May being on the news? Mm. And Ming is like, listen, no one knows anything. But her mom is like, I'm coming with reinforcements. Yeah. So the next day, May is playing dodgeball in PE. She's complaining to her friends about how her mom said no to her whole presentation. And... May is like, I know my mom is worried, but sometimes she's just so. And Miriam goes, wacko. And that's when they notice that Ming is once again 
watching from the street. She's in her car this time with her little sunglasses on. And she once again – or she has binoculars this time. Yeah. And she once again gets chased off by the security guard. So Tyler then starts making fun of May, calling her a mama's girl. And May gets very angry. And she actually – pops a red panda arm <gasps> and throws that dodgeball so hard that it like smashes through a window like crazy. She's like, I smashed the windows on your car. Mm-hmm. Her friends then, you know, escort her off the court to the bathroom and tell her she has to calm down. And May says she can't. She needs to see this concert. And she never asks her mom for anything. She's been so good. But if she doesn't trust her anyways, then what's the point? So May then says that this is their first step into womanhood and they have to do it together. So Miriam comes up with a little scheme and says that they can just lie and say it's a sleepover at her house. All they have to do is raise money for the tickets. Mm. So as they brainstorm, Abby is like, Hmm, you know what would really help me think and clear my mind? A little panda. And Abby is like the <laughs> most excitable one of the bunch. She's definitely yeah. the most like extreme for sure, but she's obsessed with like how cute the panda is. So mm-hmm. May then daydreams about Robert as a merman, and that is enough. She pandas right out. And then who comes in to the bathroom? But some of the popular girls who go, OMG. And there's a moment of silence before they're like, You're so adorable. Oh my gosh. We love the panda. We want to see the panda. We'll pay money. We'll I'll give you my soul. I'll give you everything. So one girl's like, I'll give you my kidney. Yeah. Idea alert. They can monetize this shit. Right. Here's the scheme. <laughs> we are gonna raise eight hundred dollars. We are going to tell my mom I am joining the mathletes. Cut to her calling her mom. I think her mom says, you need to get home. It's dangerous. Yeah. I don't know. And she's like, the real danger here <laughs> is not having an extracurricular activity on my resume. Yeah. And then they spread the word through the school that you can pay for Panda Picks, room 202. And they start selling all kinds of Panda merch. We see a big long line of kids waiting to get their picture with the panda, including Tyler, but he gets turned away because there are no Tylers allowed in the panda room. That's what you get. Because he's a jerk. So at some point um, when they're having one of these like panda room thingies, Ming comes to bring the girls snacks for mathletes and... Abby is literally counting a stack of cash and like turns and knocks on the glass to the door. That's when Priya, Miriam, and May like spring into action. May turns back into a human and they just like make it look like they've been studying this entire time. They're just doing their thing. It's pretty much a self-explanatory montage. They're just executing the plan. Mm -hmm. And then they have this really cute video where the girls record themselves dancing to Four Town on oh. their little camcorder with the lo-fi video. Oh, the classic middle school activity of making a dance with your friends unmatched. Um, yeah. I'm thinking absolutely. Yeah. 
You got to bring that back. We just got to start casually making dances again. I think we need like a little like friendship dance or something. For sure. So later when May gets home from school, she hides all the money and the panda merch under her bed. So keep that in your back pocket for later. We then go back to school. They're sitting on the bleachers and May and her friends are making these red panda keychains. But Miriam is focused on the boys. Abby is focused on the fact that she's hungry and Priya is getting carpal tunnel. And May is like, come on, guys, we got to do better. The concert is this Saturday and we're still $100 short. So Miriam tells May that she needs to calm down. What is the point of even going to the concert if you're going to be too tired to enjoy it? We're going to make it happen. So May calms down and then the girls like joke around and they flirt with the boys on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. I think May throws out a little pickup line where she's like, are you a triangle because you're a cute or something like that. She does say that 100%. Yeah. Classic. And that's when they hear Tyler, who's just lurking under the bleachers like a weirdo call them weird, Mm -hmm. but says that he wants to talk to May. So when May says, no, I don't want to fucking talk to you, he then tries to blackmail her and says that he'll tell her mom what she's been doing then. (gasps) So naturally this pisses her off and she turns into a panda and starts cornering him under the bleachers. But He's like, "Uh, uh, 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 look at my little camera phone. One more step and I will expose you. So May calms down and asks what he wants, and then he shows her the flyer for his birthday party, and on it is a picture of him and the panda, and he's like, listen, I just want to throw, like, the sickest, coolest bash ever, and if the panda is there, then everyone will come. So May is like, okay, I'll do it, but it's going to cost you. 200 doll hairs and tyler's just like okay yeah fine (laughs) yeah what the hell i'm like tyler (laughs) well i mean with the state of tyler's house later on i'm like you live in the city and that's your house i know the price of real estate here (laughs) so may confers with her friends and they worry that it's a trap maybe it's not a good idea but may says that 200 dollars will put them over the top they have to do this And Miriam is like, okay, but what about your mom? And May says, don't worry about my mom. I'll be back before she even notices. And she tells Tyler that they're in, but he only gets the panda for an hour and they shake on it. Nice. So back at home, May tries to slip out of the house for mathletes, but Ming says she's made all her favorites for dinner. And May's like, "Uh, I can't. Um, Miriam's dad is ordering pizza. I got to go by. And then Ming suggests she comes with and help them at practice. But May is like, oh, no, 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 no. It'll be just super boring. Wouldn't you rather hang out with dad? Immediate no. Absolutely not. <laughs> she does not want to hang out with dad. So May keeps trying to rebuff her, but she won't listen. So May is forced to say that she doesn't want her to come. Uh. Suddenly, they hear footsteps and the aunties show up. They're here for the ritual. And most importantly, Ming's mother, May's grandmother, has come for the mm-hmm. ritual. Grandma tells May that her family is here now and they will take care of everything. Meanwhile, everyone is simply sitting 
in silence at Tyler's party as I think Cha Cha Slide is playing in the background. Yeah. Patiently waiting. Slide to the right. Crisscross. (laughs) Crisscross. So back at the house, the aunties are shoving food into May's mouth. They're giving her all types of presents. Some of it looks like skincare. And I was like, ooh. Right. Some of that. So grandma then asks if she's been managing to keep the panda in. And May says yes. But the aunts doubt it and say, you know, it must be difficult for you to keep it in. You're just a child. But Ming says that May is better than all of them at controlling it. She just thinks of her love for her, and it gives her the strength to stay calm. And May is like, yeah, totally. Thank you so much for the gifts, but I'm going to go to sleep early. Keeping that panda in really takes it out of you. Have a good night, ladies. So she rushes off to her room, and she piles her stuffed animals under the covers In the process, she also accidentally knocks over a picture frame, a picture of her and her mom, Mm -hmm. and she's about to slip out the window when grandma knocks and comes in, and she presents May with some red panda fur that she found. Strange for a girl who hasn't been letting her panda out. Hmm? And grandma tells May that she knows it's hard to keep the beast in. It feels so good to let it free. But every time you do, the stronger it gets and you could be bound to it forever. And May asks if that's ever happened. And grandma says it shouldn't. She then touches this. She has this really big scar on her Mm -hmm. forehead. And she touches the scar and says, Her and Ming were close once, but the red panda took that away. Wow. And she says she couldn't bear to see that happen to May, so no more panda. And on her way out, she tells May that she is her mother's world, and she knows that she'll do what's right before closing the door. Hmm. So do you think that Ming accidentally scratched her mom? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So back at Tyler's party, everyone is just super bored. And I'm like, aren't you supposed to be popular, Tyler? Right? You talk a lot of big game for having yeah. such a lame party. You and your sideways cap and band-aid on your face. Not looking so yeah. cool now, are you? He's not. Because everyone's bored. They're about to leave when the doorbell rings. And it's May in her paper mache red panda costume. And... Tyler is pissed. He's like, the deal's off. So Miriam, Priya, and Abby pull May aside. And May tells them she can't panda anymore. And Miriam is like, it's okay. Like, we'll just try and figure something else out. No big deal. What a good friend. I agree. They're so understanding. Mm -hmm. And Priya interrupts and she's like, guys, I won't go to the concert. May tells her that she has to. Like, Jesse is her soulmate. So instead, Abby says that she'll stay home, but May is like, no, I'll stay home. And Miriam says if they can't all go, then none of them should go. And May looks at her crying friends and decides that she is going to panda out one last time just to get enough funds to go to the concert. And the kids go wild (laughs) playing with the panda to Bootylicious. Yeah, the montage is great. There's just simply so much adrenaline and dopamine in the air. (laughs) 
So later that night, the aunties and grandma are heading off to the hotel that they're staying at. And on her way out, grandma tells Ming that this is a really critical time for May and she needs a strong hand. So don't let her out of your sight. Ming then goes into May's room and she notices the open window. So she goes over to shut it. But that's when she notices the broken picture frame. And when she leans down to pick up the glass, she notices something sticking out from under May's bed. You don't ask questions that you don't want the answers to. Mm-hmm. What could it possibly be? It's a merch shirt for the red panda that says fur baby on it. <laughs> And she then proceeds to look under the bed where she finds all the panda merch. Also, a bunch of May's tests, which she's getting B's and C's on. And the flyer for Tyler's birthday party. Meanwhile, back at the party, uh, the girls are eating cake and they're celebrating. They're sitting on the roof and just kind of basking in their success and... Miriam asks May, what if she kept the panda? You know, she's not the same goody-goody that they never used to see. She's a rebel now. But May says she can't. Her family, especially her mom, would freak out. All her hopes and dreams are pinned on her. Miriam says she knows, but she's really changed. And she's really proud of her. She just tells May, like, not to get rid of all of it. And Abby says if it weren't for May, none of this would have been happening. And the girls celebrate they're going to see Four Town. But then the radio is somehow on the roof. And they hear that Four Town is actually coming into Toronto on the 25th, not the 18th. They're coming in on the 25th, which is the night of the ritual. <sighs> So May starts freaking out about this uh, conflict of interest on 25th. Tyler is still in his backyard, like calling up at them on the roof. And he's like, listen, if you want your money, you better get down here now. And May tells him to forget it. Shove your deal. So Tyler says, fine, go back to your psycho mom and your creepy temple, you freak. And May then pounces on Tyler and she's still in red panda mode, just like yeah. for reference. So she pounces on Tyler, pins him to the ground. And when Ming shows up, May drops Tyler, who has a scratch on his face and is crying and realizes that everyone is afraid of her now. Yeah, it is pretty um, shocking when you look around at all the kids who are like cowering in fear. Yeah. Her. Oh, yeah. So... After this debacle, Tyler's parents are absolutely tearing Ming a new one about what happened. They kick everybody out of the house. And May stands there, like, preparing for her mom to, you know, punish her, yell at her, whatever. But instead, Ming walks right past her and goes up to May's friends and says, I can't believe you would use May like this. And the girls are like, wait, what? Like we, we didn't, but Ming just keeps going and says, you put these thoughts into her head. And now she's sneaking around and lying. She attacked a boy. And Miriam is like, no, we just wanted to see four town. And Megan's like, oh, so you manipulated her. Okay. And Miriam says that may wanted to do all this, 
But Ming says that Mei is a good girl and they took advantage of her. So Ming, so Mer, Jesus. So Miriam. Yeah, there are a lot of M names. I know. I'm like, can't keep it straight. (laughs) So Miriam then asks Mei to tell her mom the truth. But Mei just turns, like literally turns her back on her friends and hugs her mom. And Mm. they leave. And as they walk away, Miriam picks up May's Tamagotchi that she dropped. And the girls are just like, what? Because this is not the friend that they know. Yeah. And then on the drive home, Ming holds May's hand. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about earlier, it's definitely a, a hard pill for Ming to swallow that her daughter is changing and she might have different interests than she did when she was a younger kid. And she is, you know, wanting more mature things and, you know, growing into her sexuality and having crushes on boys. Right. Right. You know, I think that's, it's it kind of impossible for her to conceive that may is growing up in that way. So she has to blame it on someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, interesting because um her mom is clearly very strict but she also loves her very well like yes. she would do anything for her daughter it's whenever questioning if she like there are bad habits that she has mm-hmm. but it's not um i don't know how to put it like i feel like abusive is sounds not like perfect for the context but essentially abusive like she's never like that she just loves her so much and it's often displaced in a way that is detrimental to her daughter's mental health yeah like ming isn't she's not a cold or withholding person yeah with may she's like very open and clear about her love and care for her daughter but she does put a lot of pressure on her there's a lot Mm -hmm. of expectation on her like there was on her when she was younger too. So. So we fast forward to the 25th and Priya, Abby and Miriam go up to the ticket counter at Sky Dome and they ask for three tickets. Meanwhile, May's family is having dinner in the courtyard of the temple when they notice the four town bat signal in the sky and grandma's like, oh, what is that? Ew, like force of an unlucky number. And one of the aunties is like, oh, yeah, like I was going to have my daughter on the fourth, but I I held her in until the fifth. This is definitely a, a very real thing in, um, in China because there are a lot of apartment yeah. buildings. I don't know if they do it so much anymore, mm-hmm. but there were a couple apartment buildings that we lived in that didn't have a fourth floor. Whoa. Like, it just went three, five. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I think there are buildings here that used to omit the 13th floor. Mm. Really weird. Spooky. So the shaman of the area, Mr. Gao, asks May if she's nervous. But he says, like, don't worry. I've been a shaman for 50 years. I have a lot of experience. This will be a piece of cake. Then their grandma makes a toast about how long ago this family was blessed with a challenge. And tonight is May's turn to banish the beast within and become her true self. Then before the ritual happens, May goes to her room 
and Jin notices that while Mei like is walking to her room to get ready, she's visibly sad. So while he's taking the extra chairs down to the basement, he then finds the video camera that May and her friends used and sees all this footage of her being happy and carefree Aww. and dancing and singing and laughing. So while May is getting ready in her room, she has a memory flash to, you know, when she had attacked Tyler and it definitely throws her a bit. <laughs> as it would. Yeah, as it would. Um and then Jin comes in and asks her about this footage. And May goes to erase it, but he stops her. And she says, oh, it's just us being stupid. The panda is dangerous and out of control. And Jin says that she sounds like her mom and asks what she's told her about her panda. And when May says nothing, Jin says that her panda was quite destructive and big. He only saw it once when Ming and grandmother had a terrible fight over him oh turns out grandma didn't approve of Jin, but he says that ming in her panda form was incredible Jin tells may that people have all kinds of sides to them some are messy but the point isn't to push the bad stuff away but make room for it and live with it he then hands her the camera and says she can erase it if she wants, but this side of her made him laugh. Ah, Such a touching moment. I really love this moment. It's so I'll, – I'll, I'm going to save it because there's more to come. There's like a culmination. Yeah. But I do love Jin. I think yeah. he is a great dad. And he has some of those like perfectionist habits too, like when they make the dumplings and he looks at it and he's like – perfect but yeah. he, he's so much more understanding he loves his daughter to bits mm -hmm. and just wants her to be happy yeah i also like that in some very subtle ways we get to see him um doing some of these like household more like traditionally quote-unquote feminine tasks like he does a lot of the cooking right and um right when he's like watching may sadly walk away is when grandmother is like Jin, help clean up he's like yes yes of course um so it's nice to see that from a from a dad yeah he's very accommodating mm-hmm so back to the courtyard, Mr. Gao leads May to the middle of the courtyard where her grandmother and aunties are and draws a chalk circle around her and tells her that as long as the red moon shines, the astral realm is open and this is the door. So her family begins singing and playing these like instruments and Mr. Gao tells May that the door will only open if they sing from their hearts and tells May to focus on their voices and let them guide her. So the ground begins to just like glow this um, effervescent blue, and Mr. Gao asks Sunyi to guide May through her inner storm, and May's body levitates off the ground. Oh my gosh. So we go into the astral realm May is in this bamboo forest, and floating in front of her is Sunyi herself. So May bows to her, and Sunyi creates this portal. And basically, if May goes through this portal, then her panda will be banished to stay in the astral realm. 
So May looks at her reflection and starts pushing herself through the portal as the panda is being ripped from her. She has to push like super hard. And as her panda spirit flies out of her back in the normal world, Mr. Gao starts to trap it in a pendant. And May looks back at her panda self and she has this flashback to all the memories of her as the panda with her friends, all of the good times she had. And she decides not to go through the portal. <gasps> so back like at the temple in the courtyard, May transforms into her panda self and Ming tells May, it's okay, we can do it again. But May says, no, she's decided to keep the panda. <gasps> oh my so, gosh. Yeah, big deal. So she tries to leave the temple, but her family tries to hold her back. But eventually she like pushes them all off of her and her mom falls to the ground and we see her pendant crack a little bit. And May says, no. I'm going to the concert. So she takes off. Immediately, Grandma starts to blame Ming and is like, I can't believe you let this happen. This is all your fault. And we see as Ming gets more and more upset, her pendant cracks further and further. And as she cries, she gets angry about how May could do this to her own mother and then the pendant (gasps) shatters and ming's panda gets released and she pandas the fuck out she said boy she said i'm a big boy and i'm here because her panda is massive (laughs) yeah what the fuck it's literally it's 20 times Mm -hmm. i guess even more probably yeah so while this is happening May jumps from roof to roof in Toronto as she makes her way to the Sky Dome, going from panda to human and back, um, just popping on all these roofs to get to the Sky Dome as soon as possible. And she spots her friends and lands right by Miriam, Abby, and Priya. They're shocked to see May, but Miriam is still very mad that she threw them under the bus. And May apologizes. She tells them that she's been obsessed with her mother's approval for her entire life, and she couldn't bear losing it. But losing them feels even worse. And Miriam tells her, too bad, because, you know, she did. But then May hears her Tamagotchi pet. Oh. Yeah, and it turns out Miriam has been taking care of it 24-7 and singing him lullabies every night. And Miriam's like, no, I haven't. Oh my god, that's a that's a true ass friend right there. Right, right. Feeding your freaking Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. So May says, "For town forever," and the girls, it's like nothing ever happened. They are best friends, mm-hmm. and then they notice. Tyler, little mm. jerk face Tyler, is at the Four Town concert. Head to toe in merch, okay? Head to yeah. toe. <laughs> yeah, Rich ass Tyler got the head to toe merch. Mm-hmm. That's like $400 worth of merch on his body right now. <laughs> and not to mention the $200 ticket. Yeah. So instead of being like, oh, a Tyler, you're here, hmm. Which I would totally do. They're like, right. oh my God, it's so good to see. Like, they you're hug a 4 They're like, too? you're a teddy oh too. Oh my God. 
So they all embrace. And then Miriam is like, oh my gosh, your mom is going to freak. And May is like, who cares? You know, what's she going to do? Ground me. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> In the distance, we see Ming's red panda. <sighs> Yeah. So the time has come for the one, the only four town to begin their concert. It is, for lack of a better term, pandemonium in the Sky Dome. Everyone is losing <laughs> their goddamn minds, <laughs> including Tyler. And uh, everybody is like singing along through tears. Four town sings you know what's up and they also like have these angel wings and they're on wires and they start floating over the crowd towards the ceiling and robert is looking right at may she reaches her hand to touch his (gasps) and that's when they hear panda ming yell so she opens the ceiling of the stadium and spots her daughter in the crowd. Wow. Naturally, because a five million foot panda is reaching into the stadium, everyone starts to run and panic. And Ming like literally jumps into the stadium. We see that like Jin and the family arrive and he's like, we have to do the ritual again. But May gets scooped up by Ming And she's like, I'm shutting this down right now. Everyone get out of here. Where are your parents? Put some clothes on. (laughs) Meanwhile, Four Town, simply hanging on for dear life, still in their harnesses. (laughs) So Ming tells May, this isn't you. But May says, it is me. And so she pandas out. She bites Ming's hand to free herself. May lands on the ground and she says, I'm not your little May May anymore. I lied. It was my idea to hustle the panda. It was my idea to go to Tyler's party. I like boys. I like loud music. I like gyrating. I'm 13. Deal with it. So. Whoa. Yeah. She went zero to 100. Ming roars. And Grandma gets everyone to start the ritual while May keeps Ming busy and, like, keeping her in the circle. So May is running around and Ming is yelling at her and she's like, oh, you're being so crass. And then May, like, dances and, like, gyrates and shakes her little (laughs) booty in front of her. So Jin yells at the ants to start singing, but it's just not loud enough. And that's when Miriam notices that four town have freed themselves from their wires and they're about to leave. So the girls scurry on over to them. Meanwhile, May tells Ming that all she wanted was to go to a concert. But Ming says, I never got to go to concerts because I put my family first like a good daughter. And May says, well, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect or good enough or will ever be like you. So then May headbutts Ming, and Ming falls to the ground, giant thud, mm-hmm. and May tries to get her to wake up and get back in the circle so they can do the ritual because the eclipse is 
you know, ending any second now. It's waning, yeah. Yeah. So she needs reinforcements and grandma shatters her bracelet and unleashes her panda so that she can help pull Ming back into the circle, followed by all the other ants who break their jewelry. They let their pandas out and they start pulling Ming back into the circle. So they start singing again, but it isn't working. It's just not loud enough. Then who comes to the freaking rescue? Miriam gets on the mic. She starts beatboxing and four town themselves. I never met nobody like you. Emerging from the rubble. (laughs) Yeah, it is a cinematic moment. (laughs) And people in the crowd start singing along. Robert's high note gets that entire circle lit up. So he is singing from the heart. (laughs) He truly does. It's like... (sighs) And uh, Mr. Gao raises his sword, and then the whole family starts floating into the astral realm. Mm. Yes. And the next scene is my personal favorite in the movie. Mm -hmm. We enter the spirit world, and May is dropped in like before in this field um, or forest, I guess, of bamboo. But she's looking for her mom and everyone was like dropped in. So she's like calling out for her and calling out for her. And then she notices this girl with bright red hair like hers crying. She's crying about disappointing her mom. And she tells me she's so sick of being perfect. She feels like she'll never be good enough for her mother or anyone. And May is like really having a self-reflective moment here. And it's also just so, I think, vulnerable for Mm -hmm. parents to show themselves as humans to their kids because so much of their energy and time is spent protecting them. So to like break down that barrier and be able to be like, you know what, I'm scared sometimes or I feel unloved sometimes is like Mm -hmm. really quite overwhelming and hard to be honest about. So she has this conversation with her and May says, I know it can feel like that, but it isn't true. And I also thought in this scene, it made me think about Jin and how Jin seems so loving and compassionate Mm -hmm. and kind. And it seems like Ming really needed someone like that because she was already so hard on herself. Exactly. Yeah. So May takes her mom's hand and they walk through the bamboo forest as Ming step-by-step like transforms from a young girl to her current age. And she's also still like shedding some tears Mm -hmm. when they meet up with grandma and the aunties and grandma approaches Ming and gives her a hug and Ming tries to apologize, but she tells her she doesn't have to apologize. She's her mom. So Grandma asks Sunyi to guide May and keep her safe. And she tells the rest of the ladies to go through the portal. And one by one, they leave their pandas behind. After Ming passes through the portal, she turns back and she's like, May, please just come with me. But May tells her that she's changing and figuring out who she is. But Ming tells her that she's scared it'll take her away from her. 
like take her daughter away from her. And she tells May she sees that she tries to make everyone happy, but she is so hard on herself and apologizes and tells her not to hold back for anyone. The farther she goes, the prouder she'll be. Then Sunyi comes down to May and May asks her if she'll regret this. Yeah, we have this beautiful shot also where Sunyi and May like fly up to look at the moon as the eclipse ends mm, and they like yeah. touch noses together. But yeah, this this whole sequence is really it's really poignant and beautiful and vulnerable and I think we all kind of have had moments where as you grow up you really do see your parents as people and like right right the the lives that they led before you and how that's made them into the the people that they are and you know why they may have handled things certain ways whether you know it was right or wrong and um i think that this scene was probably very healing for a lot of people 100% yeah 100% so the conclusion of the film, we have, you know, a little passage of time. We fast forward to May in the temple talking about how ever since she turned 13, it's been a lot. <laughs> you know, Tell me about it, queen. <laughs> same girl, same. <laughs> she says that people still talk about Pandapocalypse 2002, but her and her mom just call it Growing Pains. And we see May and Ming, you know, finishing up a prayer at the altar. And we also see that Ming's panda now lives in May's Tamagotchi. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. It was the closest thing that they had to just throw that panda in. And also <laughs> that Grandma's is in a four-town merch necklace. So it's like a four, the unlucky number. So she does <laughs> lose um, whatever game she's playing. I can't remember. Um but we see that they open the temple up for visitors with May in panda form. So it's busier than ever. They're selling panda merch like no other, especially because they have to help pay for the Sky Dome rebuild. Pay $100 million. Yeah. So we see that <laughs> May's friend group, which now is including Tyler, a fellow four-townie, they show up to pick up May for karaoke so she, you know, pandas down, but leaves her ears and her tail still intact. And her mom is like, you're not going out like that. But May is like, my panda, my choice. So she's like, okay, fine. So <laughs> she also then asks May's friends if they want to come over for dinner, which is <gasps> big deal. As we know, she yeah. did not like Miriam before. Mm -hmm. But she's coming around. So they're really stoked. They head off and... May says, yeah, sometimes I miss how things were, but nothing stays the same forever. We've all got an inner beast. We've all got a messy, loud part of ourselves hidden away, and a lot of us never let it out. But I did. How about you? Mm. And our ending shot is of everybody with Four Town after, in the aftermath of the concert, yeah. and it's signed by all the members and hanging in the temple. Uh, what a beautiful film. Yes. We do have a tiny little post-credit scene where Jin is in the basement 
singing along to Four Town with all the merch on as well, <laughs> which I thought was great. But yeah, it's such a good movie. I'm I'm really glad that I I got around to watching it before the Oscars as well. Yeah. Who won Best Animated Short or Best Animated Feature? Pinocchio. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think I think it's so good. I think it has such a nice balance of the like more kind of wacky, joyful, very preteen tone because like we've talked about before, like it feels like preteens don't even exist anymore. Everyone just goes from like a child to like a full-on teen, let alone adult nowadays. So it was cool getting to see that kind of more carefree in between behavior as well as the heavier more intense topics and like the the harder parts of that that age and of their family so yeah i really enjoyed it for sure i mean we touched about for sure i mean we touched on this earlier in the episode but the trend of confronting um that kind of like trauma between generations Mm -hmm. and really um trying to overcome the barrier of communication yeah between generations i think will be like so helpful for the people who are watching this now who are young like kids or young adults or whatever you want to call that age group but like people who are um just starting high school or middle school and watching this movie, I feel like it'll be so insightful Mm -hmm. and it'll really contribute to like a healthier relationship with their parents. Definitely. If, if you can like, um, take that and kind of like apply it. I mean, this would be a great movie to watch with a parent in my opinion, Mm -hmm. like watching this movie with your kids, even if you don't talk about it afterwards, just being like, you know, we're both acknowledging that there is a dynamic and hopefully we can overcome it ourselves. Yeah. So I would show this movie to my future spawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a really good conversation starter and yeah, I don't know if we, I guess we didn't really touch on it as much, but this movie is definitely a lot about, um, you know, healthy expressions of, Rage especially, I think it's something that's really hard for mm-hmm. girls, people who are so socialized as girls to express because you're not really allowed to. Right, it's right. More considered more of a quote-unquote like a, a male emotion that they're allowed to express. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that's really unhealthy for you to keep all that buried and that you need to be able to to let that out and feel what you're feeling and – you know, kind of have healthier emotional regulation. Absolutely. Um, so that's why I think it's also very telling that it's, you know, something that is passed down to the women in the family because I think it is definitely a- an issue that happens a lot to girls where you're just not able to, like, really process and sift through that emotional response. And when you are 13, when you're a teenager, a preteen, that's when your hormones are – you're at the most unpredictable and every feeling is so heightened. So Mm -hmm. when you do feel angry, it, it, you really feel a rage unlike anything you've felt before. Yeah. And there's also such a thin line. I'm sure parents feel like between, I need to know everything that's going on in your life and I need Mm -hmm. to be on top of you 24 seven versus 
okay, maybe there can be like some breathing room. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, is it okay that I don't know every little thought you're having? Like it's a tough line to toe. And I guess from someone who doesn't have kids, right. But I've been Mm -hmm. a teen. It's what I think would have made me feel more comfortable. Like sharing would be, I know my parents loved me. Like I'm, I would never like question that. Luckily, like I never wondered that, but I also did feel like afraid to share things because Mm -hmm. I was under the impression that I would be like judged or sometimes you just want to get something off your chest. You don't want to hear an opinion about it. Right. And I guess there's that fine line, like how do you cultivate that space for your kid? I I can only imagine how, how challenging it is to, to strike that balance. And I, I don't think a lot of people can, unfortunately, because it is so difficult and it really varies between child to child, parent to parent, you know? Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a lot of, um, a lot of respect for parents because it's not an easy job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're a parent and you've seen this movie, please let us know what you think of it. Mm -hmm. If you would show it to your kids or, how you feel about it in general, just related to yourself. Yeah. Let us know. Love to hear opinions, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I just, I really enjoyed getting to see this, this age group and this energy that I feel has been lacking oh, yeah. in cinema a lot. Um, I think that's why I we think love been talking about this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like I was going to say, I think that's why we love movies like sleepover and aquamarine so much because they are yeah. like that on the younger spectrum of teens. And it's not like mm-hmm. we're going like dark and gritty and everyone's partying like this little in between phase, I think is so important and it's so formative. Yeah. And I really enjoy getting to see stories about it because there are just so many experiences that are universal, but also getting to see experiences that maybe you didn't have when you were that age as well yeah, is really fun. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I love, you know, the great American tween movie. Mm-hmm. Let's make it come back again. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the tween movies? Where did all the tween movies go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfabulous. Are you oh, kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Life-changing. It's a series, but yeah. Life-changing. Well. Well, that being said, shall we give her a rating? Yeah. I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go 8.5. Same. Oh, my gosh. Twin. So in sync. Yeah, I definitely recommend it is on Disney Plus uh, if you're in Canada and I believe in the U.S. as well. So – You got it. Check it out. Yeah. And like we mentioned, if you want some extra content – if you want to hear a succession episode, let us know. I yeah. I am I love it enough that I am willing to edit a little mini bonus episode. Ooh. So let us know. Maybe like once the the series finale has happened, we can just do like mm. a a little recap. Yeah, a perhaps. little recap, a little unpacking of what we've yeah. witnessed. And what we've witnessed so far is already (laughs) shocking. But yeah, if you want some more perks, you can get a bonus episode every month as well as some other perks for you with our Patreon subscription. It's just $5 a month. There's only one tier and it's just some extra stuff we want to do for you guys. So 
you can check that out at the link in bio. Yes, you can also follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can always get your thoughts out on keyboard to digital by sending us a good old-fashioned email at moviesthatraisedus at gmail.com. Yes, and we will see you next week for our last animated April movie. Oh, my God. Wow. It's going to be a good one. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.